Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. This is our second lesson on the subject of seeking the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And what he was referring to was all the necessities of life. Not taken away from you, but added unto you. Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And in that 25th to the 34th verse, he was talking about the necessities of life. All the necessities of life would be added unto you, not taken away from you. People have a poor image of Christianity. They think it's a religion, but they're highly mistaken. Christianity is not a religion. If it were a religion, who would want to be in it? Who would want to be in it? I went through religion. I didn't want any part of it. And many that have gone through religion, which is man's way of reaching God, if you stop and think about it, they just get bored with it. I've never been bored ever since I got born again. Since I got Christianity is the life of God in a man. Christianity is heaven coming down in glory, filling your soul. Amen? Amen. It's the person of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost making up their residence inside of you. It's a joy unspeakable and it's full of the glory of God. Amen. It's not religion. It's far from religion. Amen. Far from it. Well, Jesus said, Keep, seek the kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Religion says, seek the kingdom, and you've got to give up everything and everything and everything and everything and everything that you ever want to do. But that's not what Jesus said about the kingdom. Jesus said, if you'll seek the kingdom, you won't have to give up. You'll have to receive. All these things will be added unto you. Receive the kingdom of God. You know, he said, godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This life and that life. I mean, bless God, it would have been enough if he just said, it's the promise of the next life, right? I mean, I'd have settled for that. Wouldn't you have? But bless God, he didn't say that. He said, it's the promise of this life and of that life. That means while you're down here on this earth, you can walk with the power of God in your life every day on the earth. You can walk free from sin, sickness, disease, and, and all the things that would uh, beset us uh, upon the earth. When you tell that to people, they just look at you, you know, and they say, well, I never heard that kind of uh, religion. That's because it's not religion. It's not religion. It's God making his home in a man. And God is a prosperous being. Spirit, soul, and body, we prosper also because of his life that's within us. Well, Jesus said to seek the kingdom. And if Jesus said to seek it, then we better seek it. This word seeking means to search it out as for something that's hidden. And we've already shared with you in our last meeting, which we'll continue to share with you tonight, that the reason why it's hidden is because it's in the heart of man where the natural eye cannot see it. We found out in the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel and verses 31 and 32, Luke's account of the same passage of scripture, quoting Jesus, but rather seek ye the kingdom in verse 31, Luke 12, 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God 
And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. Now they'll be added unto you. Then he goes on to say, Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Our Father delights in giving us the kingdom. He delights in giving us the kingdom of God. He delights in, in meeting every one of our needs. If he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't have done it. The Bible says of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. He gave birth to us out of his own will. It was his will for us to be born again. And it took sending Jesus so that we can have eternal life. And so that we can be born again. So he can give us the kingdom. Now here he's saying, it's my pleasure. Fear not, it's my pleasure to give you all the kingdom of God. But you've got to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then in Luke 17, 20, and 21, the Pharisees, since he was talking so much about the kingdom, they asked him an important question. They said, well, when was uh, when is this kingdom going to come? You see here in verse 20, 17, 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation or outward show. This kingdom is not coming in an outward show or outward appearance. But he said, neither shall they say, lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Literally, the kingdom of God is inside you. So the kingdom of God is inside us. Jesus referring to our dispensation. The kingdom of God was among them, for it was in Jesus. But then when Jesus departed and left, he said, It's expedient that I go, for if I go, the, if I go not, the Comforter will not come. But if I go, he will come. And when he comes, he'll make your body the temple of the living God, and the kingdom of God will be deposited into your spirit. That's what he's saying here. The kingdom of God is with inside you. It's with inside me. That's where the kingdom is at. Now, why did he want the kingdom to come to the earth? Matthew 6. Go back to Matthew 6 again. Why did he want the kingdom of God to come to the earth? Matthew 6, verse 9. Sometimes we read these scriptures through traditional and religious eyeglasses and we miss out the importance of what Jesus is saying. Now, I've prayed this prayer many, many times in my the, the denomination that I was raised in. We call it the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The reason for the kingdom coming was so that God's will could be done in earth as it is in heaven. The reason why he wanted the kingdom to come to the earth was so that the will of God that's being done in heaven could be done in the earth. Now, really, there's a twofold application to that word earth. And uh, we could take it for what he's saying in the earth as a planet. But remember, this old body was made out of the dust of the earth. And the kingdom of God was coming into the heart of man so that the will of God can be done also in this earthly body and in this earth. He wanted his will to be done. 
If he didn't want his will to be done in the earth, he would not have sent the kingdom. But he sent the kingdom of God into the heart of man. It came in the person of Jesus Christ. When he left, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost and he's going to build that kingdom within you. Don't you remember that he said that I can destroy, well, destroy this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it? Well, you see, that was where the glory of God was. That was where the life of God was. That was where the presence of the Almighty God was, the Shekinah glory. That's where God set up his throne on the earth. But bless God, he left this earthly holies of holies. And he no longer lives in, in houses made with man's hands. He says, but I'm going to do a work inside you so that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost could come and set up their kingdom, their domain, their rule, their, their reign, their realm inside you. That's what the word kingdom means. I'm going to fix it so that your spirit can contain the very Godhead, the Father in the person of the Holy Spirit, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, and the Holy Ghost. The domain of God was going to be set up inside of us. It's an astounding statement. But over there in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, we read it. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, but you have a God and you're not your own? Amen. As God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God is walking in us. His kingdom is inside of us. Now we said over here, and I said I would reiterate, so I will. Go back to Luke 12. And verse 33 and 34. We read 31 and 32. For not little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. But he said it was up to us to provide ourselves bags. In verse 33. Sell that you have. This is how the kingdom works. Sell that you have. Give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old. A treasure or a deposit in the heavens that faileth not where no thief approacheth neither moth corrupted. Now we said that that deposit that he's talking about, remember, we talked about the deposit that God made with inside of us. Remember over there in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, where he said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. God has shined in our hearts. He commanded light to shine out of darkness and commanded the, the light of God to shine in our hearts. And we have this deposit of the glory of God in an earthen vessel, earth. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Earthen vessels. In an earthen vessel we contain the kingdom or the domain of God. It is a treasure or a deposit in our spirits. Well, here he's saying, provide yourself bags which wax not old. A deposit. That word treasure means a deposit. A deposit in the heavens where no thief can approach nor moth corrupt. Now, Notice he said, sell what you have and give alms. Go with me to Mark's Gospel, the 10th chapter, and we'll show you where this fellow, and this is highly misinterpreted, in, especially in religious circles. This is highly misinterpreted, this passage of Scripture, because they think that Jesus is telling this guy that he's got to be poor to enter into the kingdom of God, but that's not what Jesus said at all. Jesus said there are some certain things in, in individuals' lives that stop them from coming and entering into the kingdom. Riches is one of the biggest drawbacks in, the, in people's lives. It keeps them out of the kingdom of God. How hard, hard it is for a man who has a wealth and riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because he trusts in his wealth and he trusts in his riches. 
Not only will he, he, it could keep him out of, let's put it this way, a twofold effect. It could keep him out of entering into the kingdom by accepting Christ as Savior. But also, even if he does enter into it, it could keep him out of operating in the kingdom because he trusts more in his riches than he does in faith in God's word. So there's a twofold effect. The person that is wealthy and thinks he can buy his health. See, sometimes I think we have a, mis, a, a misinterpretation of prosperity. Prosperity does not mean money. That's the lowest form of prosperity there is. Money cannot buy your health. Money cannot buy you peace of mind. Money cannot buy you love. Money can't buy you the things of the Spirit. No way. Peace and joy and love. Bless God. But prosperity of the Spirit, soul, and body is, is this prosperity. Having the ability to call on the power of God to meet every need in your life. Whether it be physical, mental, spiritual, no matter what it is, you've got the prosperity of the kingdom of God operating inside your life. That is true prosperity. Amen. Because money can't buy those things, can it? Well, here we have a, a rich young ruler. Now, Jesus says, provide yourselves on, or provide yourselves bags. That's your spirit, man. Provide yourself. In other words, not saying provide yourself a bag, but provide yourself. Bag. Provide yourself. Me, provide me. You, provide you. I'm going to provide myself, okay? This guy wouldn't do it. And uh, we begin reading in verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit? Now notice that play on words. What shall I do that I may inherit? Well, nothing you're going to do to inherit something. You inherit it because of who you are. You know. Someone left it to you because of who you are. You might be an heir, so they left it to you. There's nothing he's going to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way. One thing thou lackest. There's, you know, this one thing can be many things. There are a lot of people have a hard time of entering into certain phases of Christian growth and development, like faith, healing, prosperity. One thing thou lackest. And if you'll search the heart, you'll find out there's always one thing that lackest. There's one thing that keeps a person from uh, selling out to God, giving all to follow him. But Jesus said, you've got to deny yourself and follow me. If a man deny not himself and follow me, He's not worthy of me. If a man loved mother and father and brother and sister more than me, then he's not worthy of me. There can't be that one thing. Oh, just one little thing. But it might be one little thing to you, but to him, it's stopping the kingdom of God from flowing through your life. Whatever that one thing is, we've got to get it out. Amen? We've got to get it out. One thing this guy lacked. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast. Now, this is godly principle right here. This is kingdom principle. The reason why he told him to sell was not so that he can get rid of all of his possessions. And I'll show you as we go along. The reason why he told him to sell was because he was teaching this man how the kingdom of God operates. He was going to show him how to start operating in, in kingdom principles. You sell what you have and give to the poor. Anybody that reads the Bible knows if you sell what you have and give to the poor, the Lord will repay you. He said it. He would, I, I would repay you myself. Didn't he say it? I will repay Said the Lord. So he would repay this fellow. But you see, this guy, he couldn't see that. Let's go on and read it. 
Sell what thou hast, give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure. Deposits in heaven, treasure. That same word there. That's what he said over there in Luke. Treasure in heaven, and come take up thy cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. He was offended at the word. And Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? You know, there's a big difference between someone who has gained riches through the world system and somebody who has gained riches through the kingdom system. The person that has gained riches through godly principles, you see, is one that has received from God because of his giving. He doesn't receive it because he is selfish, but he has received his riches because he is a giver. And the more you give, the more God gives to you. And the more you give, the more God gives to you. And the more you give, the more God gives to you. And it just keeps coming back on you on every way. It just keeps coming back and back and back. And the more you give, the more you get. The more you give, the more you get. That's why the guy got rich. He learned how to operate godly principles, kingdom principles. But the one that got rich by the world system, which is a system you cannot rely or trust in, he's going to be selfish and stingy with what he's got. And he's not going to be a giver, you see. That keeps him, his heart bound up. And the whole uh, plan or the whole operation of the kingdom of God is, is based on giving to receive, giving to receive. Isn't that how we got the kingdom in the first place? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Give and you receive. Give and you receive. Okay. So this here fellow, he just, uh, he didn't see it. But we'll go on and see how Jesus explained it. In verse 24, his disciples were astonished. They were, he, they were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again. And saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them to trust, that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's hard. Why? Well, it's easier for, for a camel to go to the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I explained that before, but I'll reiterate real quickly. We said that the eye of a needle is uh, a little door. Now, you, you, you know, the walls of the city had a huge door, and that huge door was open during the daytime. That way anybody could come and go as they please. But you see, during the daylight, they can see if their enemy was afar off coming in to try to destroy them or overtake the city. And so there was what is called the eye of a needle, which is a little door inside, built inside the bigger door. And when the nighttime came, when you couldn't see out there to see who was coming, you know, to destroy the city or to overtake the city, they would keep the big doors closed and just leave the little door open. Now, that little door was just big enough for a camel to get through. If he was on his knees and, you know, they had to push him through like that, get him down there real tight and just fit in there. Well, now, a poor man could just walk right on through that door just like that because he didn't have a camel with anything on it because he had no riches. But a rich man, he had everything on that camel's back. He just had it piled up with all his riches. See? And so in order for him to get his camel through that door, he had to first unload all the riches and leave it out in the back because it could, it could fit the camel through there, but it could not fit all the things that was piled on top. So consequently, the kingdom of God is the same way, Jesus said. You've got to leave everything outside. He says, I want you. You leave everything outside the door and you can enter in. But now listen, when that rich man would enter into the city and he would pull his camel in, and all the riches would be left behind. Once he got inside, he was allowed to go back out and get the riches and bring them in one at a time. So, you see, he was not telling him to give up everything and leave it behind and you're supposed to be poor. He says, but to walk through that door, the door of salvation, he says, I need you. I want you, your life. Everything else must be left behind. Not get rid of it, but 
not first place in your life. It's got to be secondary. You, I want your life. Provide yourself. I want you, not your money, not your wealth. I want you. I want your life. Now, that's what he was saying here. And we go on and see what would have happened to this fellow. And they were astonished out of measure. They weren't just astonished. They were astonished at first, but they were astonished now out of measure. Out of measure. They says, dear Lord, you mean a rich man can't enter into the kingdom of God? But let's go on and finish. They don't give Jesus a, a chance to finish. Saying among themselves, who then can be saved? They mustn't have been too poor. Mustn't know a lot of, lot of rich folk. Who in the world can be saved then? Well, Jesus said, well, Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Now see, we stop short when we read this. Let's read right here. We've left all, we've followed thee. Well, what, you know, what's our reward? What are we going to get for that? Jesus, in other words, they, they said, I want to get into heaven. I don't want to miss it. I want to get into the kingdom of God. Well, look what he said. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses. Oh, isn't that something? How they missed that scripture. Notice again, he shall receive in this time a hundredfold. He shall receive. If a person has left everything to follow me, Jesus said, he shall receive in this life now houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecution. Underline the persecution. Dear God, if you get anything and you stand for Christ, you're persecuted. You're supposed to have holes in your shoes. You're supposed to have only one suit, you know, and that was given to you. It wasn't bought. You're not supposed to drive a car. You're supposed to ride a bicycle. And you're supposed to live in a hut. That's what they, that's what the, ask any religious person. That's what you're supposed to be. I shared with you one time when I was working down there at school. I was working this construction job and, and this one fella, he was a, yeah, I have to say he was an atheist. He wasn't even an agnostic. He was just atheist. Plain old atheist. Did not believe in God. And he said, uh, I'm turned off against all you preachers in the first place. Well, I wasn't a preacher then, but he called me one anyhow. I guess anybody that preaches, you know, is called a preacher, right? They called me preacher long before you ever become a preacher. Amen. How about you? You should be that way, right? Well, he said, uh, he says, well, what do you think you should make as a preacher? I said, well, what do you mean, what do I think I should make? They have no, oh, no, no complaints at all. You can pay a lawyer, a doctor, a psychiatrist, all these people that try to help humanity and help mankind. Someone who brings and brings uh, newborn babies into the world, they can pay them two and three hundred thousand dollars a year. And if you talk about praying paying somebody who, who helps with the new birth, who's been called by God into the ministry to bring not, not just, you know, natural babies, but spiritual babies into the kingdom of God, you're supposed to have, this is what he said, this is what he said, you're supposed to have less than the lowest paid member in your congregation, less than. And I thought about that for a minute. Well, what if the lowest paid member in your congregation, you know, was maybe a widow, who is just, you know, living off the pension, no kids, you know, maybe living with their family somewhere, and just made enough for herself, you know, that sort of thing. And here you are with three, four, five kids. You've got payment, you got all these things. And you're supposed to make less than, than, than the least. 
That was his attitude towards preachers. And I said, well, I can't agree to that. I mean, you know, if you've got kids to feed and everything, you know, I can't agree to that. I mean, that's, that's not even logical. You know, it doesn't make any sense. He said, I knew it. You're in for it just for the money. <laughs> and I just, I just said, well, praise God. I didn't say a millionaire. I didn't say $500,000. Enough to get by at least and then believe God for the rest. Amen. Glory to God. But you know, even to say that, you almost feel guilty saying you should make at least a little bit of money. I mean, they, got, they make you feel that way, you know. That's how they make you feel. But this is his idea of Christianity and being a minister. I mean, dear Lord, what are you supposed to do? See? But look at what Jesus... I'm glad I work for Jesus. I really am. Glory to God. You know? Amen, aren't you? He said he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, or persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, just one house is enough. Because if you receive a hundred, you'd really be criticized. Amen. Amen. You say, how can you get a hundred mothers? I'll tell you what. You enter into the body of Christ where there's the love of God flowing. You've got a lot of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. That's right. That's right. When I got into the family of God, I'll tell you what right now. I, I, I never knew, you never knew how much love there is flowing in one body. You can go from one city to another city and you've got people there just like your parents. We come out here in the middle and I mean, you know, sometimes you, you just get the royal treatment. You know, I mean that. People treat you good. Isn't that right? And then where do you go? In the body of Christ. There's always someone that could take that place. And you might get a hundred of them. Brothers and sisters that do anything for you. You know, at the snap of a finger, they'll do it for you. That's how the body of Christ is. Well, Jesus said that's how it would be. And that's how it should be if everybody's walking in love. And walking in the uh, principles of the kingdom of God. Now, here we see that this fellow would not provide himself. All Jesus wanted was his life, his spirit, so he can deposit the kingdom of God with inside that spirit, and that man could sell his alms, give to the poor, and learn how to regain that wealth and riches through godly principles, through the kingdom principles, and then all that he got would be attributed to God. And everything that came in would go out, come in and go out. That's how the kingdom works. It works as a seed. If you plant a seed, what happens? You get a plant that bears fruit. You get more seeds inside that fruit. You plant more seeds the next year. And then you get more seeds and it just, just keeps on going and bounding. You know, over and over and over and over and over. Really, if you stop and think about it, how many tomato plants you got this year? Okay, three dozen. Now, if you took all the seeds of all the tomatoes that you get out of all those three dozen, how many do you think you'll have next year if you planted them all? And then if you planted them all after that year, you'd have to buy yourself a, a couple acres of property. But, you know, it would just keep what? Abounding and just uh, in abundance and over and over. It just, just keep going and going and going and growing and growing and going. That's how the kingdom of God works inside the heart of man. Now, I'm going to show you something. Where your deposits are, that's where your heart is. Let's go back to that Luke, the 12th chapter. I'll show you he's talking about your heart, your spirit man. Now, in the, the 30, we read the 33rd verse. See, here's what he said. Sell what you have, 33. Give alms. Provide yourselves. That man wouldn't provide himself. 
He should have sold what he had, did what Jesus said. It'd take you time to sell those things. And really, if you stop and think about it, all Jesus wanted to do was to be willing to do it. Aren't you willing to do it? I was willing to do it. If he said, sell this or sell that, are you willing to do it? I mean, if Jesus said, sell what you have, would you do it? Now, stop and think about it. If Jesus told you to sell what you have and give it to the poor and come out and follow, come and follow me, and you have treasure in heaven, would you do it? You better believe you'd do it. Now, here, this guy wouldn't do it. He wouldn't provide himself. He said, provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure or deposit in the heavens uh, that faileth not, where no thief can approach or corrupt. Now, listen, verse 34, for where your treasure is, that's deposits again. Remember, that's deposits, literally speaking. There will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart, a good man out of the good deposits of his heart, bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil deposits of his heart, bringeth forth evil things. I want to deposit good things into my heart. I started out by depositing Jesus Christ into my heart. Did you? And once you got that kingdom inside your heart, he tells you to keep on depositing. Depositing what? The Word. The Word is a seed. Deposit in your heart. Deposit in your heart. Deposit. And when you deposit in your heart, it'll bring forth good. It'll bring forth good. It'll bring forth good. Now, we're going to show you how that works inside the heart of man. But first of all, let me say something before you, uh, we get into this, how it works. Go with me to Matthew 11. 11 and 12, 11 verse 12, Matthew chapter 11 verse 12, because you've got to understand this, you have got to understand what Jesus is saying here, as a matter of fact, if we took every, every time that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, we could preach for quite a while. But we're giving you the highlights, we're giving you the important things that you need to know, the operation of the kingdom, and Jesus, what Jesus said about, the very important things Jesus has said about the kingdom of God. Over here in verse 12, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now go to Luke 6, 6, 16, 16, and you'll see the same thing. But underline that scripture. 1616, you see the same thing. Sixteen sixteen, Luke's gospel. Now he said over there, the, the violent take it by force. Here he says, the law and the prophets were under John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses or forces himself or forces his way into it. Presses into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one to live all the fell. Now listen, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is preached, the kingdom of God is coming unto you, the kingdom of God will be within you, and if you're going to take this kingdom, you're going to have to force your way into it. You're going to have to press into it because you have an enemy out there arrayed against you that wants to stop you from entering into the fullness of this kingdom. Because your enemy, the devil, the adversary, he's looking for every little doorway to come against you to keep you from entering into the fullness. Because if you ever do, he is dethroned in your life. Listen to me. If he... 
If you ever get to a place that you enter into the fullness of the operation of the kingdom of God in the area of sickness and disease, it means he'll never be able to again destroy your life with sickness and disease. That means there's one more way he cannot get you out of that kingdom. And if you ever get to applying and appropriating the laws that apply to prosperity, he's never again going to be able to come against your life and destroy you in the area of finances. See, these are the pressures that he uses to get people out of the kingdom of God and to get them just away from God altogether, to destroy their lives. If you could, could ever get to a place that you begin to apply and appropriate the principles of the kingdom of God in your life and violently take them by force, I mean, just force your way into it. Force him out of your way and force your way into it. It means the cares of this world, the lust of other things will no, no, never again deceive you. Deceitfulness of riches? Because all your source, the source of your supply, everything you need will come directly from God. Directly from Him. See? And Satan have no chance then to grab a hold of you. Now I want that to be in my life, don't you? I want to walk like that so that that enemy has no place, like Jesus says, he has no place in me. He has no place in me. Now, we can see in Mark 4, go to Mark 4, that Jesus instructed us, and I'm not going to take time to go through this like I did, because last time I did this, it took me 20 tapes. So I'm not going to take time to do this. All I'm going to do is just highlight this for you again. But here Jesus is showing us the operation of the kingdom of God. Mark 4, let's start with verse 10. As well, we, 1 through, through 9, he, he speaks on the parable of the sower. Verse 10, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. He tells you to seek and to search out for something that's hidden. It's hidden in your heart. Now he's telling you that it's given to us to know the mystery of the kingdom. And we found out that in 1 Corinthians, the Holy Ghost was going to come to us and unveil to us and unfold to us all the mystery of the kingdom of God within us. What things knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so knoweth no man the things of the spirit of, of God, for the spirit of God knows those things, and he unveils them unto us, he reveals them unto us by the spirit to our spirit. He was going to come and unveil to us the things of the mystery of the kingdom of God. How it operates, how we can operate in it. And uh, he goes on to say, But unto them that are without all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? And then how will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. Now he's saying that the kingdom of God is going to operate as a farmer plants seed. The kingdom of God will operate along the same principles. Seed is sown to the ground is going to bear fruit. Jesus is saying that the seed, or the word, is the seed. And he says, these that are sown by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately. When they have heard. Now we said that this morning, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. When they have heard, as soon as they hear it, faith comes. But Satan also comes. Immediately he comes to steal that word out that was sown in their heart. Now notice he's compared to... A fellow of the air. Let's go to go back to fourth chapter, verse four. 
Okay, the sower sows the word. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Sometimes I think we walk around and go back. Sometimes I think we walk around and don't realize we have an enemy or an adversary right against us. Sow the word of God. You hear the word of God. The word of God is preached. The word of God is sown inside the heart. And as soon as that word goes forth, you don't realize, you know, the best way to come against the, the devil and the enemy is to understand and to know his tactics, to know his tricks, know what he's going to do. You should know that he's out there. You should know that if it's sown by the wayside, he's going to come along and just, he's, he's likened unto the fowl of the air. And the reason, uh, the reason why Jesus said that, I believe, is because he says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, the powers of darkness, rules of darkness of this world, and all the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. See? The fowls of the air. They're in that first atmosphere, that first layer. They're up there, ready to devour and, uh, and to destroy and to kill and to steal. But there they are. And as soon as the word of God is preached, just as soon as it's preached, as soon as that word is heard by anybody, he's coming. He's coming to take that word out of your heart. That's the easiest way for him to destroy the word from working inside your life. Now, he goes on to say, Satan was the uh, culprit. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in his heart. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So you wonder why some people get it and some people don't. I could preach the same message. I said it this morning. I could preach the same message. You can get some to get saved and you get some won't. You can preach the same message and get some to get healed and some won't. Same message, you get some to be filled and some won't. Why? It's the same word. It's the same seed. The seed's going out. Here Jesus is explaining to us the kingdom of, or the operation of the kingdom of God. He's telling us why. He's answering our questions, why some get it and why some don't get it. Now listen to me carefully. If I'm not getting results through the Word of God, and this parable is designed to teach us how to get results through the Word, then I'm going to go through each one of these phases, you see, that he's laying out to us, and conditions of the heart, and find out where my heart's at. If I find out that as soon as I pray and believe God, that immediately I'm off the Word, well, then I'm just hearing that Word by the wayside. And I'm not taking that word and putting it deep into my heart. And if I'm getting that word and before you know it, because of persecution and affliction comes my way, I'm giving up on the word. Well, then I'm like he said right here, I got stony, a stony heart, stony ground. Verse 16 again. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now listen to me. Stony ground. That means there's a lot of stones still left inside that heart. People hear the message of faith. People hear you can be healed. People hear God will supply all your need. They receive that word with gladness. They try to stand on that word. And before you know it, they're offended. They come back and they start screaming at you and holler at you because you preached the message. You know, they don't holler at Jesus because he's not around. He preached it, really. I didn't preach it. I mean, didn't he preach the message? He's saying it right here. Didn't he say it right here? The word's the incorruptible seed. Let's liken it unto this. If a farmer had every seed incorruptible, then every seed would produce fruit. Right? But if some of the seeds are corruptible, some may fail to produce fruit. 
Well, the word of God is incorruptible. It will never fail to produce fruit. But Jesus is saying that the ground or the heart of the individual can fail to produce fruit if that heart is filled with stones, thorns and thistles, or if he just hears it's, let's put it this way, if it's hard. You know, by the wayside, the ground is real hard. It's not been dug up. It's not been cultivated. Okay, that ground is real hard. And some people's hearts are hardened to the Word of God. I mean very hardened to the Word of God. The scribes and the Pharisees, the Jews, they were all hardened to the Word of God. They wouldn't receive it. And, you know, Jesus could even penetrate their heart even with the miracles that he did. I mean, to say that he raised Lazarus up from the dead right before their eyes and they still would not believe, that is a hardened heart, wouldn't you say? I mean, a lot of them did, but a lot of them didn't. And so think about it. Think about how hardened the heart of man can be. And if you want to think about something, I'll tell you something to think about. Remember that uh, madman of Gadara, the Gadarenes, that had the 2,000 legion of demons in him? You think about how much fear one heart can hold when you think about those demons went into those herd of swine and it made that herd of swine so violent that they ran off the cliff. Swine don't do that normally. And drowned themselves in the sea because of the power that was in those demonic forces that entered into the swine. That one human heart held all that power. That one human spirit held all that torment and fear without destroying the human body as of yet. It gave him supernatural human strength that he broke the chains and he broke the fetters that would have held any other normal man. But it was all held and confined to one human spirit. Now, you imagine when that spirit gets hardened to the word of God. But then again, you imagine this. You imagine the human spirit that is enlarged to receive revelation knowledge of the word and the spirit of faith is multiplied inside that human spirit so that that human spirit is overflowing in abundance of God's faith, the God kind of faith. You imagine what that kind of a human spirit can do in this realm. Jesus showed us what it could do. It's the heart of man. And I am fully sure that when eternal life comes into the heart of man, and if you stop and think about this, I'm not belittling the new birth, but remember something. Jesus said that that seed is the smallest seed. With all the fears, with all the things that surround us in this everyday life, that human heart, that human spirit is subject to all the fears that are all around us. But I'm thoroughly convinced that as we grow and develop in love, we can rid our spirits of all fear. For perfect love casteth out all fear. But our spirit has been so subject to all the things of this life and of this realm here that this human spirit becomes contaminated with those things. But the more we keep ourselves in the Word of God, the more we keep ourselves in spiritual things, the more we build that spirit, Word inside our spirits and develop inside our spirit, that spirit will be so enlarged with the power and the life of the living God. Think about it. He said that, Paul said the gospel or the kingdom, he said, is not in Word, but the kingdom is in power. There's power. That demonic power that was so strong inside that man, he could break the chains and the fetters and do all that he did. If he can be that powerful in the heart of man, I believe that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost is greater than any 2,000 demons. Amen. And thus, God, we could be so powerful for God that we can make mountains move Amen. and not just break chains and fetters. Amen? Amen? 
Think about it. Think about with this heart. It's the condition of the heart. And the message that I'm preaching to you is not something you're going to get overnight. We've got to face up to that fact. I'm not, I'm not, you know, spending my time just to get us to a place that we could just get a healing once in a while. Bless God, you know, you can do that just by, I'll tell you what, you can do that as an evangelist like that. I said it before, every time I leave this church to go preach somewhere else, you should see what, ha what happens. I mean it. And I go off, I get off there and I say, now Lord, why in the world, every time I go somewhere, does all these things happen? I said, get back over here. I said, well, I said, what's going on? He said, they don't have anything. They're not responsible for what this church is responsible for. He said, because these people got the word. <clears throat> that's, if you think about it, if you something think about it, that's a compliment from the Father. You should be walking in the light of God's word. So think about it. If a person wanted to, they can get out there and get, oh, I get all this spectacular and excitement, you know. But you see, walking in the supernatural is far greater than any spectacular. Because you can walk in health every day of your life. Not just see one healing there and one healing here every once in a while. Because I guarantee you, the life of the evangelist, when you go back to the place that you preached from about three years later, you watch and find out how many can stand on the word of God after you've left. If they're not preached the same message. So you see, beloved, it's the condition of the human spirit that will produce uh, fruit. And the word will produce fruit through that spirit. He goes on to say in, in verse 17, Have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. They get offended at the word. They get offended at God. And, I, you know, that's almost a natural thing to do. And that's why we should never do it. It's a natural thing to do. You, you say, I, Lord, I stood on your word. Lord, I did everything that I know to do, but yet it didn't work. What happened? You get offended. Well, one dear sister gave a very good, very good illustration, and I believe it's good right here. Very good. How many times did you go through your checkbook when you found a mistake in your checkbook? Or you had a mistake in your checkbook. You didn't find a mistake in your checkbook, but you went forward and backward and forward and backward and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and you couldn't find it. You couldn't find it. You couldn't find it. You couldn't find it. You get mad. You get upset. You get offended. Okay? You give it to somebody else and they look right through it and say, there it was right there. And you say, dear Lord, now how'd you find that just like that? Well, you're looking through your own eyes and you're making your own mistake over and over and over and over again and you don't think you're making a mistake. Or you take it down to the bank and they audit it for you. You know, they go through it and they, they you know, look through all, everything. And uh, they come and say, see over here, you missed it. you're ready to chew out the bank because you say, that had to be the bank, could have been me. You know, had to be them. And computers are crazy, you know. You find out and find, you find out and find out it was your computer was crazy, not, not theirs. <laughs> well, if, you see, you couldn't find it, went over and over and over again. Then, then when it was poured out to you, you said, oh, how silly of me. Well, why can't we be like that with God? Oh, bless God, it wasn't me. If it didn't work, it was God's fault. No, it wasn't God's fault. Why don't you just have the decency to go back and check out? Find out where you missed it. Find out where it went wrong. Because this system does not fail. Beloved, I guarantee you, he said that faileth not, and it does not wax old. It is not corrupted. It is not destroyed. But the word will work. It's humility. I've had to humble myself before God. You know, we tell you about all the victories. There are many times that I got before God, and, I, and before we ever got the victory. I'd pray for our little ones. You know, he got attacked with a fever. He had teeth coming in. I prayed for him. Not, nothing happened. But I didn't get offended at the word. Nothing happened. I said, well, bless God, let's work. You know, this, and thanking the Lord, thanking the Lord. You know, it could come out of your soul, Islam, if you're not, if your heart's not prepared to pray. 
It's out of that soul from it. If it is, it's not going to work. Faith doesn't come out of the head. It comes out of the heart. Trust the Lord with all your heart, not with your head. And so we uh, prayed, and uh, you know, we're fought, you're not fought. You know you're not believing God right down here. But sometimes you're just too busy to get into where you're supposed to belong in the spirit to pray. Well, finally, I said, look, I've had it with this. I mean, you're going to lose so many nights sleep, and then you've had it with this. And so I looked at my wife, I said, honey, God's not missing it. I said, we're missing it. we got to do something here. I'm not going to let that kid suffer, and I'm not going to, you know, miss any more sleep like we have been. And let's quit fooling ourselves. Let's get down back, back to where we're supposed to belong. And so I said, Father, I repent for my doubt and unbelief. I repent for not taking time to get into your word before I pray. I repent for thinking that, you know, well, I know how to pray for the sick or for my child. You can't take these things for granted. You can't think it's going to work just because you know it. You can't think it's going to work because you had it happen to you one time. You have got to be in, in a place that you can receive by the Spirit of God, from the Spirit of God, from your spirit into that child. And so finally we got down to brass tacks. We meant business. And I, the same condition. Same condition, you know, it's like a day later. And uh, after we repented, now listen to me, after we repented, got on our knees, and uh, this was BJ, and we sat, looked at her, and she looked at me, and I said, so now you ready to pray? I said, yeah, we're ready to pray. Now I looked at that baby, and I said, now in the name of Jesus, Keith, you come in like you're supposed to come in. In the name of the Lord Jesus, fever, you leave that body. Now get out and leave it, let him go, let him be in Jesus' mighty name. We claim that deliverance right now. And it left. And the teeth came in. Real quick. And he never had a problem with another tooth after that. You know, then you, get, you can get lax on that. You know, you're not living for the same thing all the time. Then Jason came along, you got to start all over again. I said, bless God, I thank the Lord for the day that all the teeth are in. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. You know what I mean? But what did you do? No, I didn't get, you know, we didn't go off and get, well, we better go do this and better go do that. We weren't thinking about going to another means. Now, I'm not telling anybody else not to go to a doctor or anything like that, but I wasn't going to do it because I know the word works. I know the power in the gospel. I know there's power and there's healing power, and I know it's ours, but it was my fault. It was my wife's fault. We were not in agreement. We did not pray out of our spirit. When we got in agreement, when we got our hearts right with God, bless God, it worked. Humble yourself. You want to have the power of God at your disposal? Humble yourself before the almighty hand of God. He will exalt you and lift you up. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying it. you've got to get your heart right. So if you've got stones in your heart, get them out. Oh, there's many stones. If you find yourself get offended at the word of God, you've got stones in your heart, get them out. Now, don't get upset at me because that's what Jesus said. If we step on your toes, God will heal your toes. Amen. Do everything. Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns. Such as hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the loss of other things entering in, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Choking the word out. Yeah, you ever hear about the wheat and the tare? They grow together. And, and the one said, shall I go out there, master, and pull out the tare from among the wheat? You know what the master said? Well, if you do that, you might pull out most of the wheat also because they look alike. See, the tare and the wheat, they look alike when they're first growing up. But bless God, once that thing begins to develop and grow, it's very easy to distinguish between the two. If you find yourself ever getting to a place in your life that you have slipped back into the things of comfort of this realm, of this world system, and the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things have entered in and slowly entered back into your heart, and you find yourself doing more of this than of the Word of God, 
And you'll find yourself being more involved in the cares of this world more so than getting that word, that, that heart hunger you had. When you first got saved, you could eat that word day and night. But it seems like after a while, you know, well, you know, I read this and I've read that before. That's a poor attitude. It'll choke out that word. You better watch. See, that's what happens. Keep a tender heart before the Lord. When you keep that heart receptive to the things of the Spirit, you shouldn't be getting further away from your Bible. You should be getting further into your Bible. And the closer you start to walk with God, the more that Bible will mean to you. You want to eat that thing day and night. You hear me? And as I said this morning, I don't care if I read that. I could read the woman with the issue of blood right now and get thrilled. Yeah. You think about it. You think about that woman's heart. You think about how her heart was in right place to receive from God. See? Well, I've got to get through this. We're not going to finish this. What I need to get into. And the next verse. And these are they which are sown on good. Praise God, there's good ground. Good ground. Thank you, Lord. If he didn't put this in there, I don't know what I'd have done. <laughs> Thank God for the good ground. Amen? Now, you mark it. It's very simple. It's ABC. There's the hardened heart. There's the stony heart. There's the thorny heart. And there's the good heart. All you got to do is, like any farmer does, is just go in your backyard and pull out. First of all, dig it up if it's hard. Take out the stones. Take out the thorns. Okay, and make it good ground. Now that heart is perfect to receive the word and bring forth fruit. He says here, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it. And notice this, he didn't say they fail to bring forth fruit. He said they bring forth fruit. I want to be a vessel of honor. I want to have a heart that's a good heart that brings forth fruit. I want to bring forth fruit. Don't you want to bring forth fruit? If you're not bringing forth fruit, say, Lord, what's wrong? Tell me what's the matter. That's my attitude. What's wrong with me? I'll change. You said in your word, believe that you receive and you shall have. I believe I received and didn't have. Evidently, I didn't believe I received. Now, you can't lie. I've done this. I've done this to a place to where it was almost drastic. I told one fellow, they said to me, you mean to tell me that you believe that in such a way that if you laid your hands upon, you anointed your child with oil and uh, they was dying and you laid your hands upon that child and prayed the prayer of faith where the Bible says that the Lord will raise him up and heal the sick. If you, you mean to tell me that if you did that, what if that child died? I said, then God lied. You've got to be violent. I said, you've got to be violent. You've got to take it by force. You've got to approach the word of God like that. If, if that child is not raised up, then God lied. If I'm at the conditions and God did not raise up that child, then God lied. I'm sorry. Now, he did not give me his word and uh, said, I'm going to give it to you and maybe I'll perform it or I'm going to break it. He says, my, my covenant will I not, not break nor alter the thing that's got on my lips. If I said it, I'll do it. If I spoke it, I'll bring it to pass. I will do it. He said, if you call for the elders to anoint that baby with oil, that that child will be raised up if they pray the prayer of faith. Did he? Well, you've got a choice to either believe that or don't believe that. I believe that. And let me say something to you. And I mean this with all my heart. I say this not to boast on us. I say this to boast on Jesus. We've never had a problem getting our kids healed. Not having to use medicine. I never told you I was opposed to medicine. I said we didn't have to. If you don't have to, you don't have to. If they get healed, you don't have to. And it's been five years since we've been saved. We've never had to. I praise God. 
You talk about another part of prosperity, I'd like to see someone do that. Someone pay for that healing. You can't pay for that healing. Jesus paid for that healing. You can't buy health and healing for your kids, but bless God, hallelujah, he can give it to you free. Amen. That's prosperity. Now, we've got to get this across to you. Go over to uh, verse 26. In the middle there, you read those verses. I'm not going to share them with you now. So is the kingdom of God. Here it is. Seek ye the kingdom. So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. That's his heart. And should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest has come. Okay, now listen. He's talking about the kingdom of God as if a man would take seed and plant that seed into the heart. How does a sower sow the seed? Well, we found out that he preaches it. Now, how would a man sow seed into his ground? Well, this is the ground. This is my heart. I've been saying for five years, himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses, and with his stripes I am healed. I am healed. I was healed. I always will be healed. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And bless God, Jesus bore my sicknesses and bore my diseases, and therefore I am healed. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. And bless God, if I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, then poverty, sickness, and death, and all that Satan represents has no power over me. I have life, health, and prosperity. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. You say, did every circumstance of your life line up to that for all five years? No. But what did you do to the storm? Do you think a seed stops being a seed during the rain, rain season? When the storms of life came, I kept saying the same thing. Yeah, even when my nose was running, and even though it seemed like I was attacked with the flu or whatever the case might be, I just kept saying, bless God, with his stripes I am healed. Bless God. See, the word doesn't change. Your circumstances may change, but the word don't change. And if you stay on the word, your word will change the circumstances. And I just kept saying, I kept planting the seed, night and day. Bless God, with his stripes I am healed. I was healed. I'll always be healed. I'm walking in divine health from the top of my head and tip my toes, soles of my feet. Bless God, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And just kept on saying it. My God's supply by me, the according to the glory of Christ Jesus. I just keep on saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it. No, this isn't going to work overnight. This is confession. I wanted to get into confession tonight, but we don't have time. Confession of your faith is sowing the seed of God's word into your heart. It's called depositing. Remember in Matthew he said, a good man deposits, out of the good deposit of his heart, bring forth good things. Well, that's what he's talking about. When you deposit the word into your heart, it produces spiritual forces. Those spiritual forces... As we said over there in Proverbs 4, it says, protect your heart with all diligence because out of your spirit comes the forces of life. Now listen to me. Forces of life. The violent take the kingdom by what? Not this kind of force. Not gun power. Not nuclear power. Not human power. But the force that's going to overcome this world system. Those forces are inside the human spirit. The kingdom of God is inside you and the forces that come out of you as you deposit them into you, those are spiritual forces. The force of love, the force of faith, the force of joy. All these forces of patience, those forces inside you will cooperate with the word of God and the kingdom of God then will be operating through you. What does it mean to have the kingdom operate through me? It means you'll be walking like Jesus walked when he was here on the earth. He operated the principles of the kingdom when he was here on the earth. He showed us just how much faith a man can have in his heart. So as you speak that word, we're going to have to cut it off right here, but as you speak that word, 
as you deposit into your heart, it will begin to grow. Notice it's a seed. When you first hear this, it's only a seed. You say it every day. Notice he said day and night. Notice he said day and night. Most people are not diligent enough. They're not consistent enough. They don't do it consistently. They do it every week or once a week or every other day. He said day and night. Day and night. He sleeps and rises. Sleeps and rises. And day and night. He's speaking that word in his heart. Speaking the word in his heart. Speaking the word in his heart. Speaking the word in his heart. There's no room not to do it. You've got to continue to do it. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. And he doesn't know how, but it begins to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And then that kingdom is operating. If you stop and think about it, what he was really driving at right here is he was saying that you can get to a place that the life of God, the life of that kingdom of God that's inside your heart, can get to a place that you can be ripe and ready to go home with the Lord. It starts in your spirit. That's 30-fold. Okay? That's the first phase of it. That's the first part of man, spirit. Gets into your soul, your conduct, your living, your outward man. Sixtyfold. Gets into your speech, your words. Growing up into him in all things. See, by speaking the truth in love. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.